Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. There are two thoughts on this, and you're never going to be right with one or the other, but I think that the league is very sensitive to what's going on. But at the same time, um, you know, if this can be beneficial to and keep people safe, if it can be beneficial to the country and kind of helping things get going again, I think that that's a positive. That's Andy Reid right there, the former Cougar, the coach of the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Anything to Well, not anything. Anything within reason to impact people's mood, PK. Pick them up. What's that? Go play football. I think Andy okay. Reid was echoing that why baseball played during World War II because the president said it would improve people's mood. It would be a good distraction. And if it's within reason of being safe, then there's probably a lot of other activities that we're not doing right now that might be within reason of being safe at the same time. So two go hand in hand. Okay. I thought of something your your mom used to say to you. I didn't ever said it to me because I didn't have conversations with her. Money loves money. Am I right, PK? Oh yeah, check that one off. That was high on the list. <laughs> that was a go-to phrase. Well, yep. I think she wasn't talking about this, but she she would have dropped it had she seen this headline. Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady is leasing Derek Jeter's waterfront mansion on Davis Islands right outside downtown Tampa in a short drive to the Bucks facility. 30,000 square foot home, three lots, seven bedrooms, nine bathrooms, entertainment, billiards room, and a boat dock. Tom Brady doesn't lease radio talk show's house. No, no, no. Tom Brady leases Derek Jeter's. He wants those albino alligators. Let's not be kidding ourselves. (laughs) The albino alligators. Money loves money. Well, yeah, that sounds like an outrageous abode. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm talking to a guy who lives in just about the same size. It's just you you have the boats for the moats. And uh, other than that, you know what I mean? Not really, but we'll just roll with it. Did you know, Dave, that Andy Reid went to the same high school as Julie Newmar, who, of course, played Catwoman? And you know you thought in pure thoughts when you saw Catwoman. A hundred times. <laughs> I did not know they went to the same high school. What high school was that? Somewhere in Everybody L.A. knows that it, that it was Marshall High School. Yes, the same high school as Michelle Phillips, who was, of course, in the Mamas and the Papas, and the same high school as Lance Ito, the judge in the O.J. Uh, <laughs> get out of jail for free card after yeah. slaughtering two people. The dancing he does okay. the night show. You you definitely knew this one though for obvious reasons. The same high school as Heidi Fleiss. Oh, now you're talking. Sure, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, right. Way <laughs> <laughs> to play along. Heidi Fleiss and Lance Eda. There's two names I hadn't heard in a while. Although the NFL remains hopeful of starting its regular season on time and in front of fans in stadiums, Chief Medical Officer Dr. Alan Sills said Thursday that certain prerequisites, including widespread testing for COVID-19, 
must be met for that to happen. His comments came two days after the league's general counsel, Jeff Pash, told reporters on a conference call the expectation is to begin the regular season scheduled in September. So, pulling back the uh, hopes and qualifying them just a little bit. Don't paint yourself into a corner. Yeah, those are all just words. Nobody knows anything. Tua Tagovailoa underwent a voluntary medical recheck of his surgically repaired hip Thursday. Facilitated by the NFL Combine, the results of the comprehensive exam were overwhelmingly positive, the quarterback's representatives told reporters. You believe the quarterback's representatives, all of whom stand to make money off of the quarterback? Absolutely, I believe them. They said it. Why wouldn't I believe it? Because some people will fudge the truth to make more money. And you're cynical? Fudge the truth. Yes. Uh, That's what I like to refer to as lying. Lie. (laughs) Spin. Lie. Prevaricate. Come on, hit the thesaurus. Let's go. Fudge the truth. (laughs) DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. We had Brett McMurphy on earlier this week who decided to survey all the college ADs, and it was such a good idea, now other people are surveying college ADs. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Survey released by Lead One. You ever heard of Lead One before, PK? I don't know who Lead One is. I have not, no. Yeah, I don't know who they are. Uh, An association of athletic directors from 130 major league schools, uh, or major college football schools, 63% forecast a worst-case scenario in which revenues decreased by at least 20% during the 2020-2021 school year. Even an abbreviated football season could cause schools to lose that much. Doesn't seem like an outrageous number. Haven't been through oh, the no, budget. Oh, no, not at all, yeah. yeah. I mean, depending on what your, bu- what your budget is, too, if you miss a couple of games, you know, obviously the bigger the budget, the lower the percentage. But, uh, you know, there's very few schools that have that outrageous of a budget. Some of them do. They're the ones who compete for the Final Four every year, obviously. And so it's just, this has the potential to be extremely nasty. I mean, Brett McMurphy said that uh, uh, on uh, Wednesday. And, you know, it's only going to be more speculated upon as we go. Because I don't think that anything, and I don't know this for sure, so don't act like I'm saying anything from a point of knowledge, but I don't think anything is going to change in a couple of weeks. And Larry Scott was saying, you know, we really got to look at stuff in a, in a couple of weeks, which is what uh, you had on your interview on Channel 2 with Mark Harlan. Or I think it was over the while. Well, you played it over the weekend. I don't know when you had it, but you played it over the weekend. Yeah. And so he was basically saying, you know, we've got to start looking at this stuff very, very seriously. So in two weeks... I assume we're going to be under the same situations that we're at now, only we're going to be two weeks closer to the start of when you need to get going. So that's going to increase the intensity, and that's something that's going to happen because we've we've canceled basically or postponed most of the stuff leading up to August, right? I mean, the NBA hasn't figured out exactly. You know, we're hearing about the Vegas stuff coming out. But the point being is that we're going to now start soon to turn our attention to the fall, which obviously is college and NFL football. Mississippi State coach Mike Leach apologized Thursday for a since-deleted tweet that showed a meme of a woman knitting her husband a noose during self-quarantine. The tweet received nearly 3,700 likes, but also criticism, including from some of the Mississippi State football players. So... It's like you always say, you want to be funny, but occasionally when you're funny, you're going to cross the line. And he crosses the line 
And you know how coaches are fine-tuned recruiting. You don't want to be irritating players over that because presumably if you're irritating players over that, you're possibly also irritating recruits at the same time. Okay, well, you just decided he crossed the line. Other folks would say he didn't cross the line. That's why I got 3,700. That That's why I got 3,700 likes. Yeah. But, but coaches are always, uh, well, I wouldn't say, well, I would think coaches should always be say, in tune with what the players. Yeah, but you got to, because if, if a 19-year-old player thinks that, does a 17-year-old recruit think it? Because well, he wants a 17-year-old recruit. Good point. And obviously people were divided on it because 3,700 people liked it. Well, what, what was his intent? Was his, his intent to offend or was his, his intent to put something lighthearted out there? Was his, uh, his intent, intent to be was mean probably and vindictive? I think his intent right. was to put something lighthearted out there. That's normally where, the, where I would go. What's your intent? Where's your heart at when you do the things you do? Now, sometimes they're just mean and vindictive. And so that, that's the intent. But I mean, I don't know. I didn't speak to Mike Leach about this, but I'm wondering is you know where where was his intent? Where was his heart? And then for me, I go to the forgiveness card. Not that he's asked me to do it, but uh, you know, look at what what are the, what is their intent when they make a mistake, and then try to figure out. And then what's their history? How many times have they done this? Have they been told not to do it, but yet they completely redo it? I just think this is a little footnote in Mike Leach's career. And if he wins football games whenever we start, no one's going to care. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. The, the people I talk to have strongly suggested that within the walls of the league office, they just don't believe that traditional city-to-city postseason is possible. Putting teams effectively in one place is really the only place that makes sense, and there really isn't anything under serious consideration other than Las Vegas. Logistically, it would be the easiest place to pull off. That's Chris Mannix right there. Uh, We've been talking about it for some time, and Vegas, baby. Multiple courts, a couple of them right inside hotels. Presumably the NBA could just run out the whole whole hotel. Hotels are pretty empty right now anyway. So rent the whole thing out and keep the players away from the public and play in front of uh, empty seats, but provide TV programming. Seems like there's a gazillion details to work out, but it does make sense when you hear Chris Mannix say it that that's really the only way to do it. Flying people all over the country in a 2-2-1-1-1 format, yeah, that's not happening. Are we talking just postseason here, yeah. though? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would think there's if they're gonna, if they're not going to have any fans, then there's any number of locations that you could use. I would think, but if you want to go Vegas, you want to go from the airport uh, west to the Orleans, which is probably maybe three, four miles tops. Uh, you'd have the Orleans, you'd have the MGM, you've had uh, T-Mobile, you have Mandalay Bay, and all of those seat thousands. Yeah. Uh, but they're not going to have any fans, so I don't know what that really means, but if it's Vegas, it's Vegas. I mean, I don't really care where it is. Lamelo Ball is expected to be a top three draft pick, and this year's NBA draft has reportedly purchased the Australian NBL team, the Illawarra Hawks, that he played for this past season with his personal advisor, Jermaine Jackson. The NBL did not confirm the sale of the franchise. I would, uh, I think we got to put that on the list because yesterday we were talking with Joe Ingles and we replayed it uh, 
just in the last segment, uh, you were talking to him, well, are you going to get one of those sandwich coffee shops, you know, in retirement and be a, a small businessman and have your own little cool place? And then we talked about him, is he going to do more work um, with uh, autism awareness and with autism schools for, uh, for kids in retirement? He said he considered that. He's always talked that he's going to go back to Australia about five minutes after he retires, so... Is he going to end up owning a basketball team, too? This franchise is currently running between 5 and $10 million a piece, apparently. Put that on the list. Yep. How's that Jermaine Jackson? Is that the Jackson 5 Jermaine Jackson? I don't know. I couldn't confirm that. I was looking to see. Lakers coach Frank Vogel revealed in a conference call that while the Laker players were tested for COVID-19, the rest of the Lakers staff, including coaches, had not been tested, according to Vogel's knowledge. It's just we were not told to be tested, Vogel said, and obviously everyone recognized the shortage of tests, and we were only going to do what the local health department told us to do, so we weren't asked to be tested at that point. Uh, Seems like that sends a message that the players are important and the coaches are expendable, but what do I know? Well, obviously coaches get fired and players get cut, but uh, then they just replace them. So, I mean, very few people aren't expendable. But I think it's uh, you know, the more money you have, the more non-expendable you are. And that's the way of the world. Uh, did they did they need to be tested? Did they, did they have any reasons to be tested? Well, if somebody was positive or somebody was exposed, I would think everybody in the group would have a chance. They to had be positive two players that tested positive. They obviously were tested after the Nets tested positive. Okay, but they, they had two players on the Jazz, and nobody else has been. No, actually, I think all the Jazz. I thought the whole traveling party of 58 got tested. So no, I meant... The coaches uh, and assistants. Not, not tested. Uh, oh, but nobody else was positive, right? Yeah. yeah. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Former Houston Astros match uh, manager A.J. Hinch and the uh, Astros, the ex-Astros GM all are both going to be able to fulfill their one-season suspensions for the team's sign-stealing scandal, even if no baseball is played in 2020, according to reports. I don't know, is that getting off easy, PK? No. Or they're sitting out a year, they, it's enough. Even well, if they're not just sitting sit out, out a year. year. They're not in, Sitting out a year implies that you're reinstated after a year. Reinstated to what? They don't have jobs. True story. Dodgers star Justin Turner suggested baseball go to a home run derby if a game is tied after 10 innings to cut down on extra inning games once the baseball season begins. His quote, instead of playing 17 innings, you get one inning. You play the 10th. And if no one scores, then you go to a home run derby. You take each team's three best hitters, and you give them all five outs, and you see who hits the most homers. We're up for uh, experimenting with a game. You up for that, PK? Nope. That's pretty stupid. Seems like, would you just put a guy on second base, which they do in softball? I don't know if they do that. To the minors. Do that in the minors, minors, too? Put them in third. Or call it a tie. Have ties. Uh, They wouldn't. What what home run do? So what are you going to do? Who's going to be the pitcher? You're going to get the guy's dad? We're going to have Bryce Harper with his big tatted up father and big uh, biceps out there going out there to throw the ball in. Who's going to do that? Did we get kids in the outfield again? Yes. How about that? Kids so rooting randomly, for a tie game. You put your name in when you come into the arena or stadium, and then they pull it out. And so if your kid 
Yeah, so you want to get youth back into it because Locke is convinced nobody over four pays attention to baseball, even though they're, they they set the record every year for billions of dollars of uh, money that they make. And so you put your name in a little, uh, some type of uh, box, and then they draw 20 names of kids under 15. And they get to chase around the balls. Of course, if one gets hit in the head and suffers a concussion, we'll worry about that later. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up this morning, 7.30, we're talking to Ryan Smith from Qualtrics, 5 for the Fight, and the new TestUtah.com initiative. 8.30, David Locke, Utah Jazz Radio. And at 9 o'clock, Riley Jensen, a college football insider and mental performance coach, RileyJensenConsulting.com. That's all coming up this morning right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. We're starting an awkward Thursday duet. Coach Lou and Coach O sing together. That's right. Talking about uh, LSU and Coach O breaking through. For babies. For name what? The Bayou Bengals know it. You've lost that losing feeling. That's what happens when you go undefeated. Whoa, that losing feeling. I ain't lost a damn thing. You've lost that losing feeling. Now it's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa. Gone, gone, gone. Kind of like your coaching career and your broadcasting career. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, Hot Takes or Toast, brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical Services at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Master Electrical Services will light up your day. BK, you got a couple things up here at uh, on our Facebook page. Get things rolling overnight. The show never stops thanks to social media. Yeah, you got a couple topics here. You got a favorite out of these two? Uh, how awesome am I? <laughs> That's not one you put up. Oh, <laughs> you got two sure. options. DraftKings has the uh, Utah's over-under win total for football this fall at 8 this upcoming season. Are you going over-under on that number? And then you also have Fridays upon us. And as tough as it is these days, maybe some rivalry smack can lighten the mood. What you got? Well, I saw somebody, I don't remember, so I can't attribute it. If I did, I would, saying that uh, this uh, coronavirus has created uh, unique circumstances for both BYU and Utah. One is that uh, all these missionaries are being released, and I assume that's applying to BYU. And then the other one was a nice shot. All these prisoners are being released, and I assume that's applying to Utah. Boom, there it is. I think it's whoop. There it is. <laughs> or in my case, and Wang. <laughs> Yaka's was doing something else. I'll just create the drop. That's fine. All and right. Wang. Oh, well, day late and a dollar short, <laughs> Yaka. Come on. Uh, good old N Wang. <laughs> <laughs> Whap. Dang. Run them together. What have you got? I don't know. All right, so some rivalry smack talk can lighten the mood. What you got? 
Jack Dunbar. Why is cereal banned by BYU's honor code? Because every time they get near a bowl, they choke. <laughs> What's the difference between BYU fans and litter of puppies, jackass? Eventually, the litter of puppies grows up and stops whining. Ah! <laughs> hey. BYU's undefeated in bowl games played in Idaho. I'll have you know. Nice. <laughs> Hawaii, not so much. Hawaii, yeah, I know they lost last year. It's just a horrific loss, really. Really was horrific. I was so disappointed in those guys. I think they're 0-2 because Lavelle took a team out there back in the day. Lost to Kansas with a fourth-string quarterback. Justin says, nope, I love my brothers up north. This is no time for smack talk. Justin has risen above it in these troubled times, although he says this is no time for it, so I assume there will be a time for it, and Justin will descend back into the smack talk. She's got it on pause right now. No, see, I totally disagree, because I think that's the essence of this great rivalry, is that it's always time. You know, as long as it's not over the top, it's always time. It's always fun. As long as it's kept in a fun manner... That's the nature of the rivalry, and it should be meant to be fun in that way. And so that what, that's what makes this rivalry as awesome as it is. We're coming up here in a couple of years where they won't play for two years, right? But yet it'll still be just as intense. And, you know, depending on what happens, if we, A, have a season, and if we, B, BYU doesn't win, I mean, we're going to potentially running it into the time of which they won't play for a couple of years, so that'll extend it even more. Uh, this this is re- reaching epic proportions, but this this is if it's done in the proper manner, it's always a time. That's what makes a great rivalry. Very few rivalries can exist without playing, and BYU and Utah are one of them. Alex thinks that it could possibly feel a lot more like peacetime than the Holy War in August. The first game back, people will just be so revved up because there's a game they won't be able to get into anything else. Everyone will be grateful returning to something that looks a little bit like normal. Hey, look, a football game. I think leading up to that, yeah, absolutely. But then when you're in the game and the game starts, you're playing to win the game. And the game, once it commences, is going to be another game. It's not going to be where if uh, BYU commits three offsides in a row, the BYU fans are going to say, oh, that's okay. We're just grateful to be back. No problem. Because <laughs> it's not like they're going to show up that morning and play that night. They're going to have an ample number of practices leading into it whenever it is. I don't know when it is, but whenever it is, they're going to have an ample number of practices. So if they jump off sides three plays in a row, the BYU fans are going to be furious, as they should be. Nothing like the lead trading back and forth a couple of times to get everybody fully uh, revved up in the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as it's a great game, sure. Last year's game was a little bit of a snoozer, but some games before that were awesome, obviously. All right, here's one that goes right to the uh, right to the heart of the matter, as the lyrics go. John Bonnie Groneman says 3,779 days. Is that what it's been? I'll take his word for it. I haven't done the math. 
There are Twitter accounts for such things. <laughs> That's, are you following one of them? I do. How many days since November 28th of 2009? Because that's the last time BYU won the rivalry game. Yeah, but in what? In uh, 16, you extend that bowl game another five minutes and they win that game. You'd love doing that. That's <laughs> your favorite <laughs> go-to. It's the truth. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> oh, no, totally the truth. <laughs> Then we've got other people jumping into this. Uh, BYU and Utah, uh, a little rivalry talk. Will that get you fired up on a Friday? And Mike posts, Utah State is the best in the state. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I think that Utah is the best in the state right now. And Nephi Iverson posts, Oregon still rules Utah. Go Ducks. Another Oregon fan. A lot of Oregon Well, they got them last year big time, that's for sure. So, uh, But uh, I'd have to go back uh, the year before the Utes with Jason Shelley. That was his finest moment as uh, he's left the program, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, I think that was uh, where it was at because that was a big-time win for them. Beating Colorado was nice, but that was expected. And beating BYU was nice, too. But I think that the Oregon win was a signature win for him. And so in the last two years, anyway, they're one and one But obviously the Ducks got the most important, the more important one, which would have been last year up in the Bay Area. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time to bring in Ryan Smith from Qualtrics. You know him from uh, Jazz Broadcasts and Five for the Fight. And now the new TestUtah.com initiative. Ryan, good morning. Hey, what's up, guys? How are we holding up? Oh, we're doing all right. People think we're going to run out of things to talk about, but PK and I, I we can talk forever. We're not I, running out of things. I doubt it. You've been doing this too long. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so testutah.com. What is it? How did it happen? How did you partner up with the other folks you're working with on this? Uh, take us back to the very beginning and walk us through it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so first, thanks for having me on. I, uh, my, my heart and thoughts go out to everyone. My goodness, this is, uh, this is about as challenging as, as anything I've experienced as, as I look out over our employee base and how many people are affected, how many people will be infected. Um, if, if I look at what's going on in Utah, so first of all, um, you know, we just have a phenomenal community here. Um, you know, when Silicon Slope started, a couple years back, it was just kind of a, a nonprofit where people could come together and contribute ideas and and, and just try to help. Um, so, you know, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Silicon Slopes, Clint Betts, the director's done an amazing job at pulling everyone together. We've had Senator Romney, the governor, lieutenant governor on, and just trying to figure out where people could help. And it became very obvious that we needed to help with testing. And... Um, there's a lot of parts of testing, but and if you look out in Seattle, if you look in San Francisco, if you look in what just happened in Boston, if you look at New York, you look all over the world, these supply chains are breaking down. And what Utah was able to do was get a bunch of people together who could basically open source or make the supply chain open from the time you take an assessment to the time you're treated and be able, basically be able to build the ability to pop up testing centers all over. 
And, um, you know, we started with two. And we that's at Southtown, or uh, Provo Town Center Mall, as well as Tempanogos Hospital. And, you know, we've got about 500 people that are, have the capacity to be tested every day. And it's going phenomenally well to start. It's just the start. But the idea is if Utah can test, you know, six, 7,000 people a day, plus take an assessment where we can track or try to track if there's outbreaks or if there's areas where we can concentrate and, and more than that, get ahead of what's happening in every other state. Um, we're starting to see it in Utah where there's not enough swabs, where there's not enough gear. I mean, you're watching New York where they're handing, you know, medical first responders a New York Yankees poncho so that they're safe. Like this, this is what's coming in every other city and state. And so we have a chance to get ahead of it. Um, you know, we've got phenomenal folks who have been buying and getting ahead of buying a bunch of gear and bringing it in. I don't know how many people saw um, Robert Kraft and what happened yesterday where the, um, the Patriots plane came back with millions of masks for Boston and you've got the governor crying there. We don't want to get in that situation. And so the private community has stepped up to help. There's no one's getting paid. Everyone's doing this. And, you know, Mark Newman at Know Me Health, Dave Elkington, who ran Inside Sales, these are just heroes in our community stepping up for free and saying, hey, we think we can help so there's not a single point of failure. And if we can get tested, then we can probably look a little bit more like South Korea where we can trace who's got it, who needs to be quarantined, the folks that are asymptomatic, and, you know, try to understand the pockets because – you know, with 1,500 be- people being tested a day, or the most we've had is 2,500, and then you look at location-wise where they're being tested, um, it's just it's not going to scale, and we need help, and we need to get ahead of it. How about in some of the more, uh, maybe not as remote, but St. George obviously isn't as remote as some other places, but what's going on in St. George and then in the areas where there isn't as many people in our state? Yeah, this is this is the problem. So you look at um, what what's been created is the ability to basically run a pop up testing center at the airport, run one in St. George, run one in these rural areas. And it's not that there's not testing in some of these areas. But, you know, as we've seen, people don't want to go to the ER. People people don't want to go to the hospital. People are fearful, fearful or they're embarrassed that it's them. And one of the things that we've seen is people can literally go online, whether, whether you have it or not, run through the assessment, um, and then it will give you a QR code that says, hey, go to this spot at this time, so then you're avoiding traffic, and it's all set up and organized in a very nice way. You can drive through. You don't have to leave your car, and it's free. And so that's, that's the other piece of this. And so... Um, you're hitting on all the right things. And um, look, it's it's early on, but, you know, I was on the phone with seven CEOs from, you know, all over the country yesterday who run pretty big organizations. And every single one of them was like, okay, how do we do that? How are we going to try to do this in California? How are we going to do this in Canada? Um, because they're seeing the need and what can we go ship and source so that we're not going to run out of supplies? And um, we're just trying to get ahead of it. And we have a chance to do that. Time's really important. But if you look at our lieutenant governor, the governor, um, from the second that Mark and the crew and Silicon Slopes and um, 
folks brought the idea. They said, yes, let's go. Um, you know, we still got, you know, phenomenal testing resources through IHC, through University of Utah, but we just don't want to be in a point where, you know, we're, we're too far behind it because uh, it escalates quickly. And I think we've got a chance to do something special here in Utah. Ryan Smith joining us, Qualtrics, Five for the Fight, and the new TestUtah.com initiative. So for people who haven't been following us close because some people find it stressful and they just turn off the news, I think everybody reaches that yeah. point at some point. It's just how long it takes before you do that. Why is it so important to test people? And if you get a positive test, what has to happen next? Yeah, I think I think if you if you see similar to, you know, I think a great example that a lot of people have been following is all the LDS missionaries that are coming home. Um, you know, everyone can see, oh, wow, yeah, we'd really like to get those folks tested so that we can know where to put them, what they should do. Um, and there's a lot of anxiety around not knowing um, who's got it. But basically, you can trace. And I'll just give you a personal example. Someone on my team um, you know, received or was or contracted COVID-19. And when that person told me they had contracted that, I went into a panic because we had been together um, two weeks before. But that person had to go through and retrace who they had been with and what's going on to exactly where they got it with their own family. And um, fortunately enough, it had been long enough that we had been together to, to let me know. But my thoughts initially went to, oh, wow, who are all the people that I've been in contact with in the family? And so by getting tested and understanding, unfortunately, this person has gotten better. But um, not knowing is the opposite of that. And it's going to be hard to, to really understand what's going on. Um, Testing is one of the best things we can do, and in, in as far as getting ahead of it, um, you know, getting data and hotspots and carriers and trying to understand, you know, who's coming into the state. You're seeing the uh, our our governor, um, you know, try to figure out how to how to make sure that people just aren't coming into Utah and and you know and spreading um, everything. You're seeing a panic around people coming back or from overseas, we just want to, you know, if you just take a step back, the quicker we can get through this, the quicker we all get back to work, we all get back on our feet, um, the quicker we can get out of this from an economic standpoint. The longer it takes, the longer and the bigger the damage is going to be done to our community, to our economic um, efforts, to to unemployment, to our small to medium-sized businesses, our restaurants. And I think, I think people have lost track of that. And for that reason alone, everyone should try to get tested and isolate as much as they can because it's going to affect everyone. It's going to affect everyone's family, either from a health side or from an economic side. It's pretty easy to see that. I don't think people need to be math wizards to figure that out. Um, but the faster we get out of this, the faster we get back on our feet. And all prior epidemics, recessions show that. And the problem is, is if we just keep dragging this on, it's going to be longer before we can actually get back to normal. 
So this is why we just need to get tested. If you're feeling sick, isolate. We can trace it back like Korea and do our best job at trying to understand, hey, you know, we need to go and trace and figure out who, might, who else might have it and get ahead of it. And we're going to save a ton of lives because of it as well. How long does an actual test take? Well, this is the great part that we're seeing. Um, you know, when we first started, and I'll, I'll be honest, this gentleman who, who had contracted it, it took him five days to get his test results back. Um, you know, we're, we've probably got the fastest times in the states right now, in the state, between, you know, 24 and 48 hours, which is incredible. Um, you know, I was coming home from the, from the announcement yesterday at, at, at the Capitol and, you know, drove by Timpanogos, uh Hospital and seeing cars there. It was just like, you know, you watch them come in, have their code, scan it, and then take the swab, and then they were out. And that's, um, that's pretty good. I mean, I went and got my mother tested because she hadn't been feeling good. Um, we want to know. She had been with other family members. Right. And there's no embarrassment. Just just go and do it. Um, so we're, we're we're just trying our hardest. I think everyone's doing it. Um, but I, I think the bigger point is you've got a community here in Utah with people who are willing to sacrifice and donate millions of dollars without getting anything out of it. And so watching these organizations come together and building the new supply chain that doesn't have failure and being able to get the equipment and to move quickly, working with our state. Um, I've never seen anything like it before. Ryan Smith, Qualtrics, five for the fight and the new test Utah.com initiative. If somebody's listening right now and they think they can help with the supply chain, their company can provide some service. How would they get in touch with the test Utah.com? Yeah, just they can email Silicon Slopes or, um, you know, or test Utah. I, um, you know, anything they can, they can go there. Um, all of it's, all of it's open and this is an open source initiative, um, from the test to the mass to um, swabs, to um, the assessment. Uh, it's, it's just really everyone saying, hey, how do we solve this piece of it? How do we solve this piece of it? And um, reality is in the private market, I think that people are able to do a lot more than um, and be a lot more nimble in, in areas than, than in other markets. So I think, uh, I think this is why this is happening and it's happening quickly and hopefully it continues. I mean, the numbers look great. Um, the numbers look like we're gonna we're gonna be able to scale scale this thing in remote areas, different locations, um, and uh, we're excited. Ryan, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it, and good luck with all the all work. Right, keep up the good work, guys. I, I'm I'm confident you're gonna find enough uh, content on your shows, and uh, there's plenty to talk about in sports. Let's get the NBA back as fast as we can. Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate it. All right. Take care, guys. Ryan Smith, Qualtrics, Five for the Fight, and now working with all the folks at Silicon Slopes with the TestUtah.com initiative. All right, DJ and PK, we've got to take a break. Coming up, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, will join us at 830. David doesn't run out of stuff to talk about in sports either, guaranteed. And uh, Riley Jensen, who doesn't run out of college football stuff to talk about, he'll join us at 9 o'clock. Right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Syringa Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions. Backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Got a question up on our Facebook page this morning. DraftKings has Utah's over-under win total at 8 for this upcoming season. You going over or you going under? What is the truth in your eyes as we sit here now? If I had to choose, I would choose 8. But if I can't go 8, I would go over. I was a little surprised that DraftKings put it at 8 right on the button. Usually they put these things on the half so there's no push, so there is no fence setting. You can go right at it because, like you, I think eight's a pretty reasonable number. Uh, you know, the Utah-BYU game this year, Utah breaking a new quarterback, BYU's got experience. If BYU's going to snap the streak, this is a good year. But when you look at Utah in the Pac-12 era, you pretty much just pencil in the 3-0 and in the non-conference season. And with UCLA and Arizona and – Colorado looking like they're all set up to uh, struggle. I mean, Utah to be 5-1 and one or 6-0 and oh coming out of those games. So at that point, they only need another two or three wins to get to eight. Uh, split with some of these other teams. Oregon. I, I was surprised when I saw this. Uh, you were the one you told me, I don't know if it was a month ago or two months ago, whatever it was, um, to follow the, there, there's a Pac-12 site that gives you a, um, a lot of numbers and lists. Pac-12 stats. And uh, they, that's actually where I saw this and, uh, and put this out there. And they, they only had Cal down for six wins. And I thought, wow, I thought Cal would be a tough game next year. If they have their starting quarterback, they're undefeated. If they have to go to one of their backups, they're really vulnerable. So it comes down to can they keep Chase Garbers healthy. But I thought the, the Cal and Oregon games look pretty tough. Washington State's a huge question mark. Uh, I thought eight was actually a pretty good number to go for. So you would go nine before you would go seven. Yes, if I had to choose, I would go over because you talk about, well, Utah's breaking in a new quarterback. Well, that quarterback may have uh, substantial more experience over whoever the quarterback is. And obviously I'm talking about if it's our guy Bentley from uh, South Carolina – He's got what was he got thirty three starts? What's the number? I don't I, I don't remember. Yeah, it's a lot. It's thirty three. But you're on yeah, correct. Yeah, so I mean, he's got a lot of playing experience here. He's coming in as a grad transfer, not as a transfer. The difference between a grad transfer and a transfer, obviously, as Cam Rising is a transfer, as opposed to a grad transfer, and we see the significance in that. Not all grad transfers are playing that much, but in this case, he obviously did. So. And there should be a little bit of adjustment, but it's not starting from scratch. I don't know that he's going to be the starting quarterback, though. We'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would think that you know they've got an excellent chance to win that game. It's at home, and maybe the location doesn't matter as much. But uh, then the other two games, so, you know, at worst they're going to go 2-1. and one, And 
they've been competitive in conference most of the time, so I see no reason why they don't do that because you're looking at some programs that that are still building in a sense. And you talk about Garbers, well, he's 0-0 zero and zero with this team. He's not undefeated. That was last year. That's not this year. They lose Evan Weaver, who was all that and Mr. Everything them and so we'll see how that plays out but that that should they should be competitive in those games Uh, I don't see any game in which I look at them and thought man it's really going to be hard for them to win Uh, you know I think SC has a real good opportunity to have a big time season this season Uh, so that probably is going to be a tough game obviously it's at the it's in Salt Lake this year but other than that I think they're Right now, anyway, and that's all we can go by is right now. They have as good a chance to win as they do to lose or as good a chance to lose as they do to win. So probably going to bounce their way a number of times to where they get. I had picked eight. My my number was eight. But since eight is the number and we can't say that's a push, I would go over as opposed to under. Yeah, I guess I would, I would also pick eight, but I would then take the under. I think seven and five is more likely than nine and three. I think, uh, like you say, USC and Oregon, that looks really tough. Uh, historically, ASU is pretty difficult. Well, they're not playing Oregon this year, are they? Nope, you're right, they're not. I'm a year ahead of the game, aren't I? Yeah. yeah. Never mind. Washington, Washington State, you put new them in, coaches. You put them in the Pac-12 championship again against Oregon? Well, we're only picking 12 games, so that would be game 13. No, that was just me getting off on the Pac-12 rotation and getting a year off. Um, Washington, Washington State uh, with new coaches. Oregon State getting better. ASU, a toss-up, I guess. You want to go 60-40 ASU, or you don't even feel comfortable with that? Straight toss-up. I'd go toss-up right now. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, you know, They don't play until November, right? I think it's a it's, long uh, time for teams to change. Yeah. I mean, that's evolve a into who knows what. <laughs> Right, exactly. So I, I, that's what I'm saying. Uh, rather than break down percentages right now because it's sort of pointless, to me, I just look at it, well, they have a decent chance to win. Now, they could lose some of these games, and the Devils games being one of them, certainly. But right now, we're talking here in April, I think they have a decent chance to win. Now, they're not going to win all of them, but we're just asking, can they win six of them? And can they win six conference games? Assuming they go 3-0 and in the non-conference, can they win six conference games? Yes, I think they can. Now, could they lose four or five conference games? Yes, I think they can. When we get there, then, you know, we'll have a much better uh, look at it. I mean, we didn't even have spring ball. I, saw, I did not see any so- form of competition in, you know, real scrimmage-like atmosphere with these two quarterbacks and I, I did see Britton Covey run around and it looks like he's running at good capacity and I think Dirk Facer did a story on him yep. in, in the D News and they're talking about that and we know what happened last year but yeah watching him run around when I went up to spring ball and they only had three practices watching him run around it looked like uh, you know he was pretty good so uh, that's going to be a major addition but that and it, it, you could just look at him physically, and he looked okay. But other than that, you know, you couldn't really see. And then you talk to Morgan Scally, which we have, and I talked to him one uh, one day after practice, and he's talking about how a bunch of kids who are coming into the program will have opportunities to play. Well, they weren't even there yet. So at least I'd like to get 
three weeks of a, some form of a training camp, although we won't be able to see it because they'll close it. But at least we can talk to people on and off the record to give you some information, to give you some education so you have a clue of what you're talking about. And usually they're pretty good about telling you stuff, especially if it's positive, to give you some information about, okay, player XYZ looks pretty good, they look good and whatever. So we're not even at to that point. But I think they have chances to win all their ball games. If I'm looking at their toughest game right now, to me it's clearly USC. And then I think everything else uh, I would look at, as far as conference-wise anyway, I would look at, yeah, they got a pretty good chance to win, but they could also lose too because it's so early. So that's why I would say that they would get enough bounces to go their way to get to six conference wins. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A lot of you are hitting us up right now on Twitter at David DJ James. Uh, on Facebook at DJ and PK, we'll get to your reaction. Utes, eight wins. DraftKings says eight wins. Higher or lower? Take the over or the under. Your reaction coming up next, followed by David Locke at 830. Stay with us.